Well, that's what we want to talk about this morning with regards to our series that we've entitled uh, Church, uh, Fit Church, and asking the question, what are the marks of, uh, of a healthy church? And we come uh, to the subject matter of uh, church membership, and this series has been a little different than what you normally, if you've been a part of Village Bible Church for any amount of time, uh, our normal practice in the pulpit is to uh, uh, start at the beginning of one of the books of the Bible and verse by verse walk through them, and there's great benefit to that, and I look forward to doing that. In about a month, we'll be starting the book of Colossians and spending a, a good portion of our time uh, looking verse by verse at what Paul had to say to that particular church. But we use series like this every once in a while as a, as a church to kind of ask some some questions that maybe a particular book of the Bible doesn't address fully, and looking at all all of what Scripture says with regards to a certain matter. And we've been doing that for the last couple of weeks, asking uh, these marks of a healthy church, what are they? And how do we make sure as we look at each and every one of them, how do we make sure that we're doing the best job we can, that we are truly as healthy as we could be with regards to each of, each of these different things? And today, we're going to talk on the issue of church membership and why uh, the elders of the church believe that uh, church membership is a biblical thing, something that is uh, going to be evidenced uh, throughout Scripture, and something that uh, we would be wanting to encourage our people to be a part of. And so to do that, uh, in our fourth point this morning, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture and address some of the roles and realities of church membership. So I'm going to ask you to turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, and while you get your Bible out, grab that uh, insert in the bulletin that you can follow along. If you don't have a Bible with you this morning, grab that pew Bible in the pew rack in front of you and turn to page 1007, and you can follow along there. And as you do, I'm going to ask that you stand for the reading of God's Word as we give reverence to uh, the public reading of it. Then I'll ask for God's blessing on our time in the Word, and we'll get into our message. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 19, uh, like I said, page 1007 in your pew Bibles. Uh, This is what uh, the writer of Hebrews says to the church and, and to us today. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another uh, to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more you see the day drawing near. Father God, my prayer is simple. I pray that you will show us who we are through your word this morning, that you'll show us our need for a Savior, that you'll show us our need for committed relationships with other believers. Lord, we are so given to self-deception, and so I pray that you would, would help us to see how we can be better followers of yours as we relate with one another, as we fellowship with one another, as we hold one another accountable. So to that end, Lord, I pray you'll speak through me, that my words would be your words, and that it might challenge and encourage and grow the body of Christ as a result. In Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. You may be seated. Some years ago, uh, there was a TV commercial done by the company American Express where it showed a businessman who would uh, continually be setting down his uh, credit card. And in each of the different scenes, I believe there are four or five scenes that take place in the 30-second ad, was that every time he set down his card, something good would happen. 
He sits it down at the airline ticket desk, and the lady says to him, Oh, sir, you're in coach, but I see you're with American Express. We've got an upgrade to first class. Membership has its privileges. And then at another time, uh, he finds himself setting down his card, and to which the man says, Well, I didn't know you were with American Express. We've got a special deal for some of our dear members. And then there's another time where he's standing in front of what it seems to be a broken car with all kinds of smoke heading out of the hood and, and it raining and just the worst, if you will, uh, experience you can have of a broken down car. And then what he does is you see him setting down the card and a brand new car rolling up and him being put into a new car to which the deep voice says at the end of it, membership has its privileges. And what they wanted to remind you was, is if you've got an American Express card in your wallet, there are all kinds of perks and all kinds of opportunities that you have that you're a part of because you're a member of this card-holding group. And because of that, things that maybe weren't available to you then beforehand are now available to you now. Now, when I speak on the subject of membership, especially church membership, we don't have to get really technical with regards to what membership is all about. We live lives that are full of memberships. I mean, think about it. Most of us are members of health clubs and workout facilities. Let's be honest. The person sitting next to you is a part of the health club or the gym. We're a part of them with regards to uh, hotel chains and, and, and different uh, resorts where as we uh, c- collect enough points, we get opportunities to use our points for, for nights away or for special perks at the resort that we may be staying in. We do it with stores or there are clothing stores that give us special deals or opportunities to buy at certain times. Or, or those big uh, box stores, Sam's and Costco, where you can go buy 300 uh, uh, rolls of paper towels at a dirt cheap price. And we have membership. We, we, we show our card. We're in. We're a part of it. And, and, and each of these, whether they are social groups like the Kiwanis Group or the Rotary or Lions Club, whether it's memberships of, of, of all types, usually we join these memberships or, or, or commit to a membership because there's a perk, there's an opportunity, there's something that it's going to do for us or we can do through them that is good. Now when we talk about church membership and and when we talk about what it means to join a church, I want you to know that there's a lot of benefits and perks to being a member. Our members know this. I mean, my goodness, when they come into the, the parking lot, I don't know if you've seen the guys that are dressed in, in tuxedos that come and, and valet park their cars. I, I'm sure you've seen that. And then they get the best parking. And then when they come in, I don't know if you've noticed, they have always carry the Starbucks coffee, uh, the best coffee that money can buy. We put that in their hands. And, and then if you notice, they get the best seats in the house, okay? And they get to sit wherever they want. And then one of the biggest perks that, that our members absolutely love, this is what gets people to sign up for membership classes, is we allow our members, if they feel like the sermon's going a little long any given Sunday, we give them, you just got to be a card carrier, the ability to show the usher the card and you can leave at any time with no, uh, no judgment or no questions. I mean, my goodness, that's one that people use all the time. Well, if you've been a member here, you know that I'm lying through my teeth. Uh, that's not the kind of perks and benefits that membership gives. But I want to tell you this morning that there are a lot of perks and privileges, maybe not 
from a consumer point of view, but one that I believe will, as we look to the Scriptures, as we understand what the totality of the Word of God says with regards to this issue of church membership, that it is good to be a part of a local church. It is good to commit yourself to another group of people and be able to commit and be held accountable and, and be nurtured by that group of people inside the setting of a local church. Well, what do I mean by church membership? There's a big couple paragraph statement. I want to walk through that very quickly, but I wanted it in your hands on the front of your bulletin uh, sermon insert. And I'm going to pull it up here and just kind of walk through this. While all believers are a part of the universal church. What we mean by the universal church, if you want to underline that and draw a note to it, that's the church that God sees. So when God looks down at heaven, he sees one church. He doesn't see Village Bible Church and, and First Baptist and, and so-and-so community and, and, and so-and-so Methodist or Lutheran. He sees one church, the, the body of Christ. And, and so all believers are a part of that. You can't take a membership class to be a part of the universal church. You, the way you're brought into that church is you bow the knee to Jesus Christ and you accept him as your Lord and Savior. And so while all believers are a part of that, and we don't want to diminish that because that's the church you want to be a part of, okay? You don't want to miss out on being a part of that church. The New Testament also stresses the importance of all believers being a part of a local church. Now, the local church is a group of people meeting in a certain location, in a certain place, a definable, which we'll get to in a moment, group of people that are a part of this bigger, invisible church. Now, the local church is comprised of a definable group of people who, on the basis of their commitment to the Lord, which means a local church can't say, we're just going to get together and talk about things. Or we're going to get together and, and what we've got some great projectors and we've got big screens. We'll put the Bears game on. We'll just do that together. And so we're just going to enjoy ourselves. No, the, the church gathers together because of their commitment to the Lord and to his, his word. They've identified themselves with and committed themselves to one another. So they're saying together, as, as members of this body, we are joining together, and we're joining together under the cross of Jesus Christ, and we're doing so so that we can worship and adore Jesus, and that we can help one another to do the same. Now notice, membership in a local church, listen, does not guarantee salvation. What I mean by that is, on the Lord's day uh, of judgment in heaven... Men and women, great and small, will all stand before God the judge. And the question will be asked, and it will be a foregone conclusion at that point, why should I allow you into my heaven? And I will tell you, you will anger me, and I'll be in line with you at some point in the line. You will anger me. I will yell at you on that day if you say, well, I was a part of Village Bible Church. Okay? Because I'm going to say, I didn't teach that, Lord. Don't hold me accountable on that answer. That's a wrong answer. Because... It doesn't matter what church you're a part of with regards to salvation. Please hear that loud and clear. When we talk about church membership, we are not separating, uh, if you will, the sheep and the goats. We're not separating believers and non-believers. What is the basis of your salvation is what we have talked about the last three weeks. You will find yourself in heaven. You will find yourself a part of the family of God when you bow the knee by grace through faith alone in Christ Jesus. And so I want to make that abundantly clear because I don't want you to think that if you're not a member of this church, you can't be a Christian. But notice, just as we say that it doesn't guarantee one's salvation, we do say, as the New Testament articulates, it's imperative for all believers to be connected to a body of believers for the sake of encouragement, edification, that means the building up of others, and equipping. 
Now it goes on and says, well, church membership gives believers certain rights within a local congregation. As members of this local body, you get to vote on, on uh, large issues with regards to the church, the bringing on of staff members, the, the building of buildings, the taking on of any debt. Members get to make those decisions, big vision decisions of the, of the church. You can't teach in our local uh, assembly without being a member. We want to make sure you're going to teach according to the uh, principles of, of our doctrinal statement and of Scripture. You can't hold leadership positions here at Village Bible Church without being a member of the church. So there are some, if you will, rights that come within a local congregation. We believe that is, that's the small stuff with regards to membership, that within uh, the idea of membership is a more biblical principle. So within a God-ordained environment of a local church, what, we, what membership is all about is that members are functioning as one body. They're committed to one another and the building up of each other in love according to the rule of Scripture. And throughout Scripture, we see it's clear that God intended for his people to enter into covenants with him. We see that all throughout the Old Testament. We see that even in the communion that we take, that this is a new covenant that God is making with his people, a covenant of grace and of mercy. But notice, God also calls us to covenant with one another, to commit to one another that we are going to do certain things. And so what we see at Village Bible Church is that membership is a covenant relationship amongst fellow believers as well as with their leaders under Christ Jesus. And so we see in order to implement these principles of accountability and commitment, there has to be a mechanism by which that takes place within the local church. And what we believe is that in, as an example through the, through the example of the early church, that Village Bible Church recognizes the need for what we're going to talk about this morning, church membership. And so what I want to do is I want to talk to two groups of people this morning. The non-members, I want to articulate to them and, and try to understand maybe why they may not be members. I want to be gracious within that. But I also then have a word for our members and some reminders as to what church membership should look like and what it should be all about. So let's try to address that dual, dual conversation I'm going to have with you as a people by first of all looking at some of the things that cause us to be reluctant. So what are the reluctance surrounding church, dis, uh, church uh, membership? W- what are we reluctant about? And I will tell you that I know today, just as in the first service, that every week at Village Bible Church we have people both who are members of this church and who are non-members of this church. And I recognize that there's reasons for both, okay? And so I want to talk about maybe to those, first of all, who are non-members of this church, and I want to talk through maybe some of the reasons why you may be non-members. So the first one is, it's an easy one. You're new to the church. You're new to the church. And so you're hearing about these words, commitment. You're hearing about these words of covenant. And you're saying, hey, 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 wait a minute. I'm just getting to know you, okay? You, you rarely on the first date will say, you know what, when can we plan the wedding? When can we uh, start talking about uh, children and, and living our lives, you know, in our elderly days together? No, there's, there's, a, there's a courtship. There's an opportunity to get to know one another. And so there are three reasons why you may be new to Village Bible Church. Number one, maybe someone invited you and you're new to this whole church experience. You're new to this whole idea of Christianity. And so this is all a whole lot of stuff. And you're sitting there going, wait a minute, I'm just really considering Jesus right now. Or maybe I've just come to know Jesus um, just in the past uh, few months, and all of this is brand new, and, and now you're saying, now i got to join a church and all of that. I, I just may not be ready. And I would say, yeah, take some time. and got some exploring to do. Number two, maybe you've come in, and we've had a lot of this, 
where people have transitioned from uh, one area of the country into this area. Maybe they've been a member of the church, or maybe they weren't, and now they find themselves a Village Bible Church, and, and you're saying commitment and covenant, and you're saying, I'm just starting to get to know you, and I'm still getting to know and understand who you guys are. How do I know you're not a bunch of crackpots? How do I know that, that uh, what you preach and teach is, is right? And I would say, good questions. Maybe you find yourself this morning, maybe not moving into the area or, or, or in a new relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe you've been a member of another church in the area. And for whatever reason, you have made a decision to uh, stop your attendance and involvement there. And, and now are, are looking for a new church. And right now, Village is, is where you find yourself. All of those are necessary at times and, and needed Uh, places to be. And I want to be very gracious with you to say, take your time and make a wise decision. But you need to be a part of a local church. You need to be a member of a local church. And one thing that we do here, and we are very specific on, and and, and you'll hear it in our prayers, you'll hear about it from our, our leadership, we do not see other churches in our area as our competition. We see them as our friends and our fellow co-workers in the faith. And we recognize, listen, even if we wanted to, we could not take care of all of the spiritual needs of the town of Sugar Grove, let alone the surrounding communities. And so we applaud when churches come into our area because we recognize they're going to be able to do things maybe we can't do as well. They have strengths and abilities that, that, that we maybe aren't able to do. And so we applaud and we encourage that. And I want you to know that what I'm talking about with regards to church membership is not come and join our church. What I'm saying is, is if it's at any of the Bible-believing churches in our area that are preaching and proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ, if it isn't us, you better find someone there. Get there. Now, as a pastor, I want you here. We'd love to have you here. So what I'm not saying is I'm showing you the door, get lost. What I'm saying is is a recognition that we, we love new members and new guests into our church. We, we want that. And this church has grown dramatically as a result of it, not only in numbers, but this church is, is in a wonderful place because God has brought new people into our church and we're blessed to have you. But I also want to say, and you're going to hear it at the end of the message as well, If this isn't the place, if you're like, you know, I'm not sure I can commit, I'm not sure I can covenant with it, we want to release you to find a place that you can fully commit yourself to so that you can express yourself in the fullness of who God has made you so that you might be able to serve him and serve others in the totality of who you are. So I hope you understand, there's, I'm, I'm, I'm swaying from, from two poles, if you will, trying to, to articulate both sides of what I'm trying to communicate. Now, let me give you some advice. If you find yourself in any of those three categories right now, I want you to do something. Number one, I want you to pray because as a person who's looking for a church, I want you to know that you are outside of the protection of the church that God has given you. God's given you a local body of believers as your protection. And being outside of that, which at times is a necessary thing, it's dangerous. Because what can inevitably happen is you never find the church you're looking for and stop going to church altogether, thinking you can start just watching church on TV. No, no, you can't, okay? You can't do that. It can be a supplement, but it can't meet the needs that a present physical church can do. 
And so here's some advice. As you're looking for a church, I want to give you three questions you need to ask a Village Bible Church or any church when you find yourself in the process of looking for a church. Number one, as you look for a new church, you need to ask the question, how well do they follow the Scriptures? How well do they follow the Scriptures? That means you need to explore what you're, they're preaching, what they're teaching, not only to the adults, but to the kids, to the students. Well, what is their heart's cry? Is the Scripture just a therapeutic book that will, will help us get through the day, or is it the power of God that changes the lives of people? Is it your final authority in all things of faith and, and life? And so you got to ask the question, is, is the, the, the teaching and preaching of the church giving a steady diet of God's Word um, with regards to um, how I'm to live and how I'm to apply the Scriptures. A recent uh, uh, article in the Christianity Today magazine said that due to the Internet and due to um, automobiles making traveling large portions of, of geography in relative ease, that the number one decision that's made on why people choose a church is personal preferences. We've got to get outside of that. And we've got to ask the question, number one, what are they preaching? Number two, you need to look at the people that are leading. So ask the question, not only how much do they love the Scriptures and follow them, number two, how well do the shepherds lead? The Bible says that you're going to have leaders within the church, and they're your shepherds. They're going to lead and guide, and sometimes they're going to have to corral you uh, from wandering away. And so the question is, as you look at this new church that you're a part of, or as you go and look at a different church, how well do the leaders lead? Are they leading well? Are they men that you can emulate in their faith? I mean, do you look at them, and, and when you see them out at the grocery store, uh, that they're the same person in the grocery store or in the neighborhood that they are within the church? Are they men that you can say, I can go to for counsel and wisdom and, and guidance? Are they men that lead in a trustworthy way, that they live out the principles of 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1, that says they're men of character, men of courage, men of competency with regards to Scripture? Then finally, you need to ask the question, how do the sheep look? So if you looked at what they teach, and then you look at the shepherds, how are they leading this organization, this body, this entity called the church? And then ask the question, what about the people who have been around for a while, who, who are there, who are in my midst? And I want you to understand that there will be times that when you encounter a wonderful church, you say, man, that guy really can preach. That guy can really, man, he's, he's a great leader. We love him. But then you look at the people and they're malnourished. They're underfed. Maybe, and, and this is one way that you can really look at a church, when you see your elders walking around, do you see your, your, the sheep of the flock kind of uh, uh, wincing and backing away as if we're going to manhandle you? Or do you see a relationship, a healthy relationship where shepherds are willing to lay their lives down for the sheep and willing to, uh, to serve them and, and, and take care of them and feed them and counsel and guide? And do you see a group of people that, that willingly submit to their leadership? One of the things, inevitably, at times, we'll, we'll have a new family come to the church and they'll say, Tim, we, we'd like to talk with you. We need to get to know the pastor. And I would say that's important. You need to get to know the pastor. But one of the things that's important here to understand is we don't have one pastor, but we have nine pastors that are a part of this church. Our pastors are elders. Our elders are pastors. That's what the Scripture says. So it's not just getting to know me. It's getting to know all of them. 
But one of the things I readily will push back on them with regards to is if you think you're going to know the church through me, you need to understand something. Pastors are the best salesmen. We can be the best salesmen. So when I talk about this church, it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. I love this church. It's great. And I can have a way of of over-communicating how great this church can be. So what I will always do is go back to the individual and say, here's my assignment for you. Go find five people, and you don't know them. Just go find five people and ask them, how long have you been attending? And I want you to find someone who's been here at least a year. And I want you to ask the question, how has this church grown you spiritually? How is this church providing the care and the nurture and the ministry? And I said, if you can't find five people that say five positive things about this, then there's a problem. Or if I say, here are five people, um, the Johnsons, the, the Adams, the, the Whitakers, and I give you a list of names, don't talk to anybody else but them. That should be a warning sign to you. So I say, I got nobody that you can't talk to. Go talk to all of them. Just pull somebody aside and ask, because if I am confident of anything, I'm confident that, that here's the thing. If we serve and follow God in a biblical way, then the church will be healthy, and that means you can go talk to anybody and find out, is this place a healthy place or not? And so those are three questions. Now, now notice I didn't talk about what fun and games the youth group does. I didn't talk about the kind of sanctuary they have, the drums that they use or don't use. I didn't talk about all the things that I think by nature are secondary. Not that they don't have a part, but if you can't answer those three questions, then don't worry about the other stuff. And so ask those questions as you're new to a church. I want that to be clear because I don't think many times we tell people how to find new churches. Number two, who might I be talking to that maybe is a non-member? Maybe you're just ignorant to the concept. And I don't mean that in a pejorative kind of way. I'm not trying to knock you down and say you're dumb. I'm just saying maybe you just have, you've been a part of this church and you've heard things like Pastor Keith talk about membership class and you've heard about membership meetings and it kind of goes in in one ear and out the other. You don't spend a lot of time on it. You know it's there, but you're not sure. I want to dedicate the rest of this message to help you with it and to help you how to make Uh, the best decision with regards to church membership that you can. Number three, maybe you may be critical of membership altogether. And you're averse to this concept of of membership. And some of the reasons that you give, I I get them. I don't think they're right, you you know. And the video talked about a couple of them. Number one, well, membership isn't mentioned in the Bible. And and I'll just quickly say this, and if you want to have a conversation after, I'll be happy to have it with you. But but if you say, well, it's not in the Bible, and I only do what's in the Bible, then you don't worship the Trinity because the word Trinity is not in the Bible. It's implied. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, we see all that and that God is one. But we have to, we have to really, if you will, work that together through the implications of reason and, and all of that to come to what is an orthodox view of the Trinity the idea of Jesus being 100% God and 100% man. I think everybody in this room would affirm that wholeheartedly, that Jesus is the God-man. It never, it never says in Colossians chapter 3, by the way, let's just explain this real quick. Jesus is 100% God and 100% man. Everybody got it? Good. He never says that. We affirm it, but it's implied. Things like Sunday school and missions uh, agencies are things that we wholeheartedly applaud and affirm, but they're not in the Scriptures. And so if you're going to use that line of thinking, you're going to be doing a whole lot less of, and you'll be outside of the pale of orthodoxy to say that membership 
isn't in the Bible. It's all over the Bible. I'm going to show you it in a minute. Number two, you may say, well, my faith is private. My faith is private. And I would say that that is not true at all. Your faith is personal. What that means is I can't uh, ride the, the coattails, if you will, of someone else's faith. I've got to make it my own. But personal and private are two different things. Personal means I make an individual decision for myself. Private says I don't want anybody else to be a part of it. And I will tell you, if you read the New Testament, you will see that the farthest thing from the truth, that's the farthest thing from the truth, that your faith is a personal thing, but it is a corporate thing as well. And you see that over and over and over again. Sadly, for far too many Christians, the idea of church membership is something we don't even think about. And this is one of the reasons why we have so much movement from one church to another. Uh, in an area of, I have a friend who is a, a pastor, and a megachurch had, had moved one of its campuses to the local, um, to one of the local storefronts. And uh, it, it had a thousand people first Sunday, man. And it was exciting. And I said, man, that's really great. They are reaching the lost in, in such an amazing way. And uh, to which the guy said, you know what, a group of us as pastors got together, and by the time we had counted all of our own people that had left our church and gone to a new church, we had 850 of them. And uh, we have a problem, because what we do is we date the church, and when the church stops doing something that, that that is important to our preferences, we get up and we look for something else. What church membership does is it says... I'm going to commit myself to this place, knowing this place isn't perfect, knowing this place isn't uh, the best church in the world, but it is a good church that does good things, and I'm going to be a part of it, and I'm going to commit to it, even at times when it's difficult to, to do so. And so with all of that said, to neglect or to refuse to join a church as a formal member reflects a misunderstanding of our responsibility as believers to the body of Christ. And it cuts off one of the many blessings and opportunities that flow from that commitment. So why do we do it? Why, why do we do it? Okay, so you know maybe why you don't do it. Why do we do church membership? Notice the reasons. Let's notice the reasons very quickly. Number one, reason number one, the example of the early church. Why do we practice church discipline? Because the early church, church discipline, church membership, we'll deal with discipline another day. Church membership, why do we do it? It seems from New Testament Christianity that the walk of Christ is never separated from the involvement of accountability and care in the local church within the writings of the New Testament scriptures. In Acts chapter 2, in Acts chapter 5, in Acts chapter 16, The text tells us people repented of their sins, got baptized, and were added to the number, their number. Well, what is their number? In Acts chapter 2, we have the 120 in the upper room. They experience uh, the signs and wonders of the, the gifts of the Spirit in the upper room. They're filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking tongues of many kinds, and, and this great spiritual, if you will, commotion that takes place of God bra- breaks out into the marketplace of Jerusalem. People are blown away by what they see and the 120 speaking all different languages and tongues. And Peter stands up and he tells them what is happening. And people receive the message and say, what must we do to be saved? And Peter says, repent of your sins and be baptized. And they did that. They bowed the knee to Jesus. They were baptized with water. And the Bible says that 3,000 were added to their number that day. 
Well, who's their number? Is their number the family of God? No, their number was the church. The church's number went from 120 to 3,120 in one day. And over and over you will see when someone followed Jesus Christ, you would see they were added to the number. They were added to the number. So there's this number of Christians that are part of the church. Notice throughout the New Testament, and you can look at some of these passages later, it speaks of lists. In 1 Timothy 5.9, there was a list of widows who were members of a local church who had received financial support and contribution. And so there's this list, people that are on the list and people aren't. So there's this definable group. Somewhere there was a roll of members that said, this widow is a part of us. She's going to get financial care. There's this other widow. She's not. She's not with us. She's not going to receive it. In Acts 18.27, Romans 16.1, Colossians 4.10, and 2 Corinthians 3.1 and 2 are examples where a believer moved from one city to another city and his former church would write a letter of recommendation for his new church to receive him. He is good. You can receive him as a member of your church because he has always been good with us. He is trustworthy. You can receive him. Then phrases throughout the book of Acts. The whole congregation, the church in Jerusalem, the disciples in Jerusalem, in every church, the whole church, the elders of the church, all of these communicate that Christianity in the early church was not lived as individuals, but as a collective group of people who you knew were in as opposed to those who were out. That's why John MacArthur says the following, the idea of experiencing salvation without belonging to a local church is foreign to the New Testament. So we understand, if we're going to follow the early church, and that's what we want to do from that, we want to follow that, we're going to practice this church membership. Number two, the existence of church government. Over and over again, we see that Scripture, that the church has as its head Jesus Christ. He is the chief shepherd of the sheep. But the Bible says that there are these under-shepherds, elders, who are to serve as his pastors, shepherds, of the flock, teaching them, uh, providing for them, ministering to them, counseling them, caring for them, all of these things. Well, then here's the question we have to ask, is if there's this role, who determines who the elders are? Think about that for a moment. So when it's time to bring forth an elder in this church, Do we go to all of Sugar Grove and say, hey, we've got an elder opening. We need to bring John Doe into the elder group. We need you to affirm that. Can you affirm that? We don't ask that. Well, who do we ask? We have to have a definable group of people who are going to say, this is who our leader's going to be. We've examined him. We've looked at him. We're going to put him into office. Without that, you can't have elders. Because at some point, someone has to say yay or nay to this guy. You can't have just someone walk up and say, I'm an elder. Everybody listen to me. Likewise, with the idea of a leader leading, the leader then has to ask the question, who am I leading? The Bible says that elders, uh, Hebrews 13 uh, verse 17 says that the elders over you watch over your souls as men who will give an account. So on that day of judgment again, there will be another line, okay? And the other line will be all the elders of local churches. 
And, and that group, myself and Pastor Keith and Steve and Al Gonerman and Chad Duncan and Kevin O'Brien and, and Tim uh, uh, Friesma, Darren Malone, uh, Mario Arendang, I'm missing someone, I don't mean to, but, but all of those, we're going to be in another line. And the other line that is going to be, hey, how did you guys do it leading the flock at Village Bible Church? And I'm going to ask this question. I want you to know, you're going to hear your pastor ask the question, uh, by the way, Jesus, who was in my flock? Because I had a lot of people come and go in my time of pastoring at Village Bible Church, and, and I need to know who was in my flock, because I ask that question every day. Who am I to be ministering to? Who am I to be reaching out to? And it sure does seem that I need to have a definable group of people that I can know these are who I'm to be leading, and these are the ones who are committing themselves to following. Now, let me tell you something. Your attendance doesn't say that. Your attendance doesn't say you're my guy. A commitment does. A commitment that says, I'm with you, Tim. I'm going to follow you as you biblically shepherd. That's an important thing. What we're not saying is Tim can be a cult leader and we'll drink the Kool-Aid, okay? But I'm, gonna, I'm going to affirm men who I believe are men of character. I'm going to affirm them to the role of leading me. And those guys are going to have accountability. They're going to be accountable to God to watch over my souls. Without church membership, that becomes nothing. You can't do it. You can't do it without some sort of definable group that says, these are the people, these are the leaders, and these are how they're going to work together. Number three. We see that not only through the existence of church government, but we also see the exercise of church discipline. The Bible makes it clear, and we'll talk about this in, in the weeks to come, about the idea of church discipline. And this is something that's very foreign to, to churches today, and, and yet it's something that the Bible talks about. In Matthew 18, 1 Corinthians 5, the Bible says that there are times and moments in a church's life where a follower of Jesus Christ finds himself wayward, following the world and its passions and its desires, while professing to be a follower of Jesus Christ, living like hell. And as a result of that, the church's job is to hold them accountable, to approach them and try to win their brother back and bring them back to the fold. And when they don't do that, a progression of things takes place, four steps take place over a period of time where that individual is then brought before the church and the church makes a decision, is this person a part of our body or are they not? Can we continue to endorse this person's Christianity or not. What the church isn't saying, listen, is that person's going to hell. What it's saying is we're withdrawing our public approval of this individual. We've done that with an individual within this church. We're in the process right now with some individuals as members of this body. And so that's a patient process. It's a long-suffering process. But notice the Bible says at some point the church has to make a decision to put that person out of the church. Reasoning would tell me if I put someone out of the church, there has to be something that defines that they're in the church. Does that make sense? You can't put somebody out if they aren't first in. And so what's the criteria that that person is in? Well, they attended for five weeks or six weeks. Then you're in. No, what it means is someone has to say, I'm in, I'm with you, I commit to you with my entire being that I'm going to be a part of this. And if there's ever a time that I cease to live as I'm called to, and I have to be put out, it means I'm no longer associated with that membership, with that local body. 
Finally, the fourth one is the exhortation with regards to mutual care. The reason why we practice church discipline is, I keep saying it, I am so sorry, church membership is that what church membership is all about is a commitment that I am going to serve the body of Christ through the one another commands. And I'm committing to that. You can count on me. You can, you can hold me accountable to that, that I am going to serve Christ, but I'm also going to serve you. That I'm going to teach the word of Christ, but I'm also going to teach you that I'm going to use my gifts and I'm going to use what God has given me. The gifts and, and, and my money and, and, and my time and all that. I'm committing to you. You can count on me. And so listen, what church membership is, is, is a realization and an articulation that you can count on me. I'm going to be there. And when I'm not there, I give you a welcome mat to come knocking on my door to say, what's going on? Why aren't you there? And for some of you, you say, I don't want that in my life. I get it. I don't think it's biblical. But I can sure see why you would want that because there are times I don't want people in my life. There are times I just want to, and it's usually about 12.45, 1 o'clock on a Sunday afternoon. I want nothing to do with you guys. I'm tired. I've spent myself, and I just want to be away, and, and, and I can't do that, right? I can't say, hey, I'm going to go finish the last part of the football game. No, someone says, no, brother, you're a follower of Jesus Christ. You need to love people even when you're spent. You need to lay down your life as Jesus did. Aren't you glad Jesus didn't say, I can't die for your sins today. The bears are on. I'll do it some other time. And so I need people to hold me accountable in that way and say, that's not okay. And I need to be okay with that. And so notice in this point, this is why we believe in church membership. is isn't something we just legalistically say, well, we're going to do this so that we can lord it over you. No, we do it because good reason and biblical guidance shows us this is the important thing to be a part of. So point number three is a very short point, okay? Point three is, well, how do you become a church member? And I will tell you, every month we have membership classes. It's a two-part class that we take that happens, I believe, during the first service. Um, and it's listed in your bulletin, so I don't want to forget that. But what is the requirements, if you will? Point number three. What's the requirements? There are four requirements with regards to church membership here that are not so practical as they are spiritual. Number one, you have to acknowledge Christ as your Lord and Savior. You want to see a church fall apart real quick, start allowing members who are non-believers. We won't do that. So if you're seeking and searching for the Scriptures, we're not going to force membership on you, nor are we going to say membership gets you saved, as I said earlier. This is for Christians. Your job, your question, if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, not is, now what church can I join? But am I willing to join with Jesus? Am I going to follow him? And so what membership is going to do is in an interview that the leadership has with you is the question, are you a follower of Jesus Christ? And they're going to ask, what, what things have you seen in your life that have changed? What things have, have, have bore witness in your life that, that, that say that you're no longer in darkness but you're in light? Let me tell you why this is an important reason. Because if we come to Christ on our own and we assume some things without someone coming and saying, wait a minute, that doesn't seem right, 
we can miss the boat. Let me explain to you. On Facebook this last week, a whole bunch of people, I don't know if it was you guys, but a whole bunch of people wrote that a very famous actor came to know Jesus on a set of a new military film. And that he came to know Jesus. And in his, in his inaugurated uh, Christian life interview, uh, I read the interview. And so this is why you always got to read before you like something as a Christian. Read the article that goes with it. So I click the article and I read it. And I was saddened to see that this guy begins to say, I love Jesus. He's my Lord and Savior. And when I came to know Jesus, I didn't come in some blankety blank, blank, blank way. I took on Jesus in a blanking way. And I'm sitting there going, well, wait a minute. Holy cow! Now, I'm going to give a lot of grace and mercy that a new follower of Jesus Christ isn't going to have it all put together. So you're hearing that, okay? But do you really know what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ? And what the church does is the church recognizes what the gospel is and what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ, and it, it, and it doesn't put its stamp of approval on anybody or anything just for the sake of love. This, everybody's a Christian. It asks the hard questions because deep down inside we can be self-deceived. And I can give myself a whole lot of assurance that I'm pretty good, but I need others to say whether it's true in me or not. And so that's why we need to make sure we're followers of Jesus Christ. Number two, we need to affirm our faith through baptism. You cannot be a member of this church without first being baptized. You say, well, that's legalistic. No, it's not legalistic. It's biblical. Because what church membership is, is you affirming you're following Jesus Christ with this local group of believers. Well, that's great. And that's implied in the Scriptures. But what's explicitly stated in the Scriptures is they believed and were baptized. Go out into the world, teaching, or uh, go out into the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them all that I've commanded you. Uh, the Great Commission. We cannot jump over what Christ has mandated for every Christian to be a part of baptism and then say, well, that's okay. You don't need to do step two, just go to step three. And so membership comes, but it comes as a, as a recognition. You see, So let me just put this in perspective for you very quickly. When you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, that's a personal thing. Remember, it's a personal thing between you and God. Being baptized says to the entire church and world, I'm a follower of his. Okay? Membership says to a definable group of people, I'm with you. So each of these things play their part. Your salvation is between you and God. It's not between you and somebody else. It's between you and God. Then your baptism brings the whole world into it, believer and unbeliever alike. I'm a follower of Christ. Church membership says to believers and non-believers, but most specifically to a group of people, I'm with you as I follow Jesus Christ. And so that's why we can't put these steps outside of it or say omit step two and go to step three. We want to be biblical with regards to it. Number three, as church members, you need to actively participate by playing your part. So what church membership is, listen, what church membership is is your leadership knows who they can count on. That doesn't mean, and listen, I know that we have a lot of roles in this place, and and many of our non-members are are giving faithfully to the Lord and and participating faithfully, but I want you to know we don't assume that you're always going to be with us. We don't assume that, that, that you're committed to us in the full extent because you've never told us that. 
you're doing it and we're, we applaud that and we're thankful for it. And, and, and yet, we would say to our members, we know we can count on you. We know we can call on you. We know that we can come and, and present things to you and expect that you guys, based on good reason of Scripture and the Spirit's leading, that we can count on you to do certain things. And so there is a different type of relationship. I don't know how nicely, how other nice ways to put it. There is a different relationship. Not that they're better, but different. Because there's a commitment between the two. A covenant has been signed together. And then finally what we articulate is that it's something that we annually remember with regards to our commitment. So some years ago we made the decision, not as an elder team, the elders uh, presented it, the membership agreed to it. And what we said was, we don't want membership to be something that's isolated. I became a member of Village Bible Church in 1994 is when I became a member here. And that's what I did. And I, I can look and I can tell you guys, well, look how long I've been a member. Look at me. I get the good parking places. You see, I park in the grass. That's where they parked the 1994 class. Okay? So I can't, I can't say that. And so what we said was, is we want this thing to be a dynamic thing, not a static thing. We want it to be done together in unity. So every January we stop and we say, are we together in this? Because we know people change their mind. We know and recognize that the church may change directions. And so every year we want to stop and say, are you with us? Can we count on you to be with us again? And so every year we reaffirm that. And we also remember what we committed ourselves to. That it wasn't something we did 20-some years ago, but it's something every year we stop and the elders send out uh, what our commitments are. We tell people to read over them, to remember what you have done, because if you can't remember it, then how in the world are you going to do it? And so that's what being a member at Village Bible Church is all about. And that's what's required of you, and you'll learn more about that through a membership class but that's the heart of it. Now, let me close with this, and then we will send you on your way. What's the reality of membership? Meaning, and this is for our members, what are you called to? What are the perks? The perks are, listen, this is very important. As a member of Village Bible Church, a perk is you know you're not doing it alone. You're not alone. That you're not just attending and showing up, and again, that's good and important, but it's something more than that. You're committing. Guys, I know there are seasons. The hymn writer says, prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. If you don't know you're prone to wandering, then number one, you're self-deceived. And number two, you have no need for anybody else. But if you know that the flesh inside Tim and the devil, a wily enemy, can really wreak havoc in my life. I better have someone in my life who's going to put uh, themselves in the way of me in an oncoming train of sin. And I need that. And I need that even when I don't want it. I need that in my life. And that is one of the benefits and perks of membership is you're not doing the Christian life on your own. So what does the book of Hebrews say? I wish I could spend a, a, a whole lot more time here, but these are good reminders for us. The book of Hebrews was written to help people who were quickly wandering away from the faith to be steadfast. And you know, he doesn't say, hey, you. The writer of Hebrews doesn't say, you. The writer of Hebrews, in, just in this passage alone, four different times says, let us. It's corporate. 
You, wanna, you want to follow Christ and be confident of your walk with Christ and be faithful to the walk with Christ, then you can't do it by yourself. You've got to do it with other people. Let us, let us, let us, let us. Well, let us do what? Number one, let us be open about our sin. We've got to open up about our sin. Let us draw near to God with true and sincere hearts. The idea here is that members help one another be honest about their sin. The idea true hearts there in the passage literally means that you don't have divided loyalties. That you don't say with your mouth that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ and in your life you do something totally different. I'm a bald man. Now I'm not bald by nature. I do have hair for those that wonder. But I by choice shave my head. Well, that's a dangerous thing. It's dangerous because I can miss spots on my head. And so what I need, and, and, you'll, and you won't see me, I'm not going to invite you in there, but, but when I shave, I, I'm constantly doing this, and, and I'll pull Amanda's mirror out, but it's got a flower, so I don't like to hold that very long, and, and, and try to see all these different blind spots of my head. And with all of the help of mirrors... I still have to come out and say, Amanda, I need you to do a a check. Because there's places I can't feel, I can't see. I need you to make sure that there's no blemishes. Let me tell you something. You will never reach your full potential in Christ without someone else walking alongside you. Showing you where you're missing it. Showing you the areas that, that you can't see or can't feel in your life that are there. Those things that so easily entangle you, the book of Hebrews says. And so we need people to be honest with us and say, if you're going to be a follower of Jesus Christ with a sincere and true heart, it's going to mean making sure we help one another to see our failings and our faults along the way. Notice number two, we open up about our sin. It also involves standing up against wavering. Standing up against wavering. He says, let us hold fast to the confession of faith without wavering. The idea here is there is a real possibility that you could walk away from your faith. You see, we, we say, well, once saved, always saved, and all of that. The Bible does articulate that, yes, the true believers are saved from beginning to end. But who says you're a true believer? And you say, well, I know. Well, how do you know? The Bible says you'll persevere till the end. And so here's the thing. We need one another to help each other, remind one another of what is the work of God in our life and what it should be doing and all that. And so when I'm willing and, and ready to give up on my faith, when I'm tired, when I'm, when I'm done with all of this and say, it's not worth it, and I'm telling you, days are coming where that's going to become more of a reality. That it's not worth it. It's not worth me losing my job. It's not worth me losing my friends. It's not worth it for me. And the followers of Jesus Christ, those that you're committed to, are going to come around you and put their arm around you and say, yes, it's worth it because we're more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Because he who began a good work in you, brother, is faithful to see it to completion. That though we have in this world all kinds of troubles, take heart because Jesus Christ has overcome the world. That in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, we're all going to be changed. And that hope is the ongoing reminder that this is not our home. And so members, your job with one another is to remind one another when the going gets tough, we turn to God. We trust God and we do not waver. Number three, we need to stir up love and good deeds. Let us consider how you might stir one another up to love and good works. Well, a couple things with regards to this. Number one, our fellowship as members 
And our encouragement of members needs to be thoughtful. You have to consider. It means you have to think about it ahead of time. Some of us come into this place with no thought of what we're going to do in the time that we're here. How am I going to serve this body? How am I going to uh, grow this body? How can I help someone to honor God in the week to come? How would you like it if I got up and never considered what I was going to talk about before I got up here? You'd be mad. And that's exactly how many of us come to church. What do I get? I never consider how I might consider how to spur one another on towards loving good deeds. Number two, it means spur. Um, The word literally means to to stimulate in a negative connotation. To provoke is probably a better way of doing it. So here's the thing. Our job is to provoke one another towards loving good deeds. We are to jab one another. We are to prod one another. We are to poke one another. Let me tell you some church membership will not be comfortable at times. What are you doing? How are you serving? How are we giving? One of the things that we had in a members meeting not too long ago is we challenged our members. We're down in our giving. And we challenged our our members, where are we at? What are we doing? And that stuff, that's awkward and it's it's uncomfortable at times because we've got to look at ourselves and say, am I really in this thing? But that's what we're supposed to do. Now notice, we are to do it with love. And care. We're to stir it up with love and, and good deeds. That means we just can't go around. And some of you have got the spiritual gift of, of cow prodding, you know. Hey, that's not what we're talking about. It's care and concern. That's why we got to consider it, not just blowing people away, but doing it that will build up the wholesome word that builds others up, Ephesians 4.29. It's going to take work. It's not easy. This is what we're asking our members to do, to be deliberate about it, to know they have a job when they come into this place. Finally, it means you got to show up even when it's hard. Some people in the book of Hebrews were giving up attending church. I love this church, but it saddens me that our weekly attendance is around 58% as a body. That means on any given Sunday, half of our church is not here. Can I tell you something? I get that there's vacation. I get that there are family reunions. I get that you have to work. I get all of those things. I hope you know that. I'm in the world. I know that. But what does it tell the world and what does it tell our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ that we're only here 50% of the time? You can count on me when it's convenient for me. I don't want to be legalistic. I'm not going to sit there and tell you, oh, well, so-and-so's not been here. I get it. I get there's illnesses. I get all of that. But can't we do better? Can't we commit a little more? You see, that's what membership is all about, is being told those things and being challenged on those things so that we might change. So, living out a commitment in a local church is difficult. It's not easy, and that's why a lot of people don't do it. Because much is expected, but much is at stake. And so the question is, for every believer in this place, what kind of commitment do you have to the church? And I want to say this with all love and sincerity. If you cannot commit to this church for whatever reason, and you may have all the right reasons in the world, and I don't condemn you in any way, if you can't commit here after a period of time of examining this place, listen to me very carefully, then maybe it's time to leave. To find a church that you can commit to, 
to find a church that you can invest yourself wholly in because that's what the scripture says. And if there's something that we're not doing that keeps you from it, if there's something we are doing that's keeping you from it, we don't condemn you. We say in love, go and be in a place that, we can, that can get all of you, not part of you. Because the Christian life isn't about half of who you are. It's about all of who you are. We want you. We love to have you here. But we want all of you, not part. Because that's what it means to be a part of a family. Not when it's convenient. Not when it's easy. Not when uh, the Bears play at 3 and not 12. God bless you guys. You're here. I know I'm going into the first quarter. But even when it's difficult and when it's hard. And that's why the Bible says membership matters. So think upon these things. You have questions, come talk to me. Come talk to your elders. We know that there's a lot of scenarios, a lot of issues that may hold you up from it. But we want to talk about it so that we can follow Christ and honor God and be the healthy church God's called us to be. Let's pray. Father God, we've given a lot to our people today. And I thank you for their endurance and hearing it. And Lord, I pray that they would ponder these things and think about them. Lord, we're glad that each person is here in this place, but we also know and recognize that you didn't call us simply to date the church, but to be committed to it, to covenant with it. And so, Lord, I pray that that each of us, member and non-member alike, would think through the reasons we're here at this church and how committed are we. We recognize, Lord, that the church doesn't give us salvation but it is integral to our life of sanctification. And we know that it's the church alone that will prevail against the gates of hell. And so, Lord, we pray that we would commit ourselves to a local church, whether village or some other church, Lord, so that we might be on that team that prevails against the gates of hell. And we might do it together, arm in arm, with brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, we're thankful that you died for the church and you gave your life up for uh, the members of this church and the members of the body of Christ. And so, Lord, I pray that we would live with that same commitment in mind, that we would honor you and serve you. Now, Lord, as we go out from this place, I pray that we would be lights in a world of darkness. I pray that we'd be gospel bearers and heralds of the good news of Jesus Christ that we would shine like stars in our time as aliens and strangers in this world so that we may honor you and we may have the opportunity to usher people into the kingdom through the treasure you've given us in jars made of clay. So send us forth from this place in fellowship with one another now, Lord. In Christ's name we pray, amen.